Chair, staff is ready when you are. Thank you so much. Uh, good evening and welcome to the October 19th, 2023 Active Transportation Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute. Commissioner Banks. Here. Commissioner Brazil. Absent. Commissioner Gibson. Present. Commissioner Gonzalez. Present. Commissioner Harris. Present. Commissioner Hodel. Here. Commissioner Hoff. Here. Commissioner Roe. Here. Commissioner Granville. Here. And Chair Westbrook. Uh, present. Thank you. We have quorum. Fantastic. I would like to remind members of the public in chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. Uh, you will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and we'll now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise. For opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanon people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwanwintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation of Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. And for the Pledge of Allegiance, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, <laughs> got scoot in. <laughs> okay, our first business today is the commission staff report. Uh, staff, you may proceed. Wonderful, thank you, Chair Dua Westbrook, Jennifer Donlin Wyatt, Transportation Planning Manager, and staff to the commission. I have uh, a brief staff report for you this evening. Um, the uh, first is, is that if you were not able to join us, we had the ribbon cutting for the South Sacramento Parkway Trail West project the longest name ever. On September 29th, it was a wonderful ribbon cutting down in South Sacramento. We had a number of commissioners there. Um, and it was a great, it's a small, but a hugely impactful project connecting the Meadowview community to the Sacramento River Parkway and the almost still under construction, gonna be here soon, Del Rio Trail. It was a wonderful ribbon cutting. Um, I also want to share with everybody that we do have an open seat. If you remember, uh, Commissioner Lee had to step down from the commission because she has taken a job at UCLA with uh, Mr. Shoup. And uh, so while we're very excited for, for Commissioner Lee, we have an opening that the position is open through the end of the month. It is for somebody who has professional experience in either transportation planning or is an engineer. Um, so if you know folks, please encourage them to apply. That is a citywide position that will go through City Council's PMPE committee, which I can never remember the name. I'm gonna say personnel and public employee committee. <laughs> Is that right? I think that's right. I'll go through that committee for review and recommendation on to full city council. Um, so please share that word. And then last but not least, I wanted to celebrate Chair Dua Westbrook who won an award last night from the American Planning Association for Emerging Planner of the Year. So congratulations to Chair Dua Westbrook <laughs> for that award. 
And with that, that is my staff report. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really, really appreciate that. And yeah, I'm really sad uh, to see Commissioner Lee leave, but excited for her in this next journey. So everyone on the commission and in the audience, please <laughs> make it known that we're looking for, for one new commissioner to join us. Okay. Uh, next is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Clerk. There are no speaker slips for this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Chair, I will vote. I will move for approval of the consent agenda. Okay. I second. Fantastic. Okay, so I have a uh, motion from Commissioner Hopt and a second from Commissioner Harris. Uh, will you please, uh, sorry, <laughs> can you please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Banks. Yes, yes. Commissioner Brazell. Uh, is absent. Commissioner Gibson. Yes. Commissioner Gonzalez. Aye. Commissioner Harris. Aye. Commissioner Hodel. Aye. Commissioner Hot. Aye. Commissioner Rowe. Aye. Commissioner Granville. Aye. And Chair Dor Westbrook. Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. Great. Thank you. I uh, will now proceed to the discussion calendar. Our first item today is item number three, City of Sacramento Street Closure. Is there a staff presentation? My name is David Adrosla, and I'm the engineering manager of the transportation division of the Department of Public Works, and tonight I am speaking about street closures. On the active, on the ATC commission log, there are two questions that are to be asked. The first one is, what are the city policies around temporary and permanent street closures? And the second is, is there consideration for safety and safety are in areas with a history of crashes involving those involved um, with walking or bicycling or a high number of people walking and bicycling. Street closures can be either temporary or permanent with different processes and requirements for each. Temporary street closures um, those include neighborhood block parties and special event permits, as well as city council approved temporary closures for public and safety reasons. It also includes permanent street closures, and those um, are city council approved abandonment of public right away. Temporary street closures are in three different categories. The first one is a neighborhood block party permit, and that's intended for residents to close the street for a neighborhood celebration. It's typically, you know, a 4th of July party, a, a birthday party, graduation party, a quinceanera, something like that. And it allows uh, the, the street to be closed if it's a short street, a cul-de-sac, um, 
and it's less than a mile in length, and it doesn't have a speed limit greater than 25 miles per hour to travel lanes or a bus stop. The second type of street closure is a special event permit. Special event permits are necessary when there is an event taking place in the public right-of-way with, with an assembly of 50 people or more. And we see that all the time in the downtown core, especially for events such as Ironman. It could be a, a festival, a church festival, St. Patrick's. It could also be a political march, a jogathon. And there's most likely food trucks and vendors involved. That's, you know, typical. The third type of temporary street closure is a closure requested for public safety or nuisance. And these type of closures typically have a gate that's placed um, at the ends of the alley or in the middle to prevent through traffic. And there's usually bad behavior going on in, in, the, in the area, in the alley. Um, could be crime, there could be um, dumping of, of trash, and, it, and it's the reason that um, the alleys are closed. These are temporary closures approved by city council for an 18-month period, and it is typically renewed um, as needed. And the coordination for these, this type of cl closures usually is involved with um, code enforcement, the police department um, is what's typical. For permanent street closures, this is typically an abandonment of public right-of-way, and it's when a public street or easement is abandoned by the city. And this is anything um, within the right-of-way. Right-of-way, it's typically a road, street, alley, some sort of public utility or service easement. And the abandonment process is followed um, through the, the um, highway code as well as other city codes. And uh, if you look at the picture um, that I'm showing you, an example, if you look at the picture where the arrow is, that is a half of a street. It was supposed to be punched through from the right side to the left, but in order to punch it through, we would have to take that house um, away, probably by the whole property. So, um, you know, this type of situation, it's determined that we don't pursue that road going through and we just abandon the right-of-way that we have. Since it's infeasible to construct and it isn't needed for circulation purposes. The second question on the ATC log is, is there consideration for safety or in areas with the history of crashes involving those walking or bicycling? Safety is always considered, and we follow the vehicle code and other city documents. With that said, a full road closure or closing, a ha closing the road halfway or a road diet or just changing the direction isn't really an easy effort. Um, these efforts, there's a lot of considerations involved. Um, there's a lot of community outreach determining if the adjacent streets can handle the rerouted traffic. There's coordination with um, emergency response folks. 
as well as reviewing access to properties before being presented to council for approval. Oops, I was one slide behind, sorry about that. Some street closure examples. Um, City Council approved a five-month slow and active streets pilot for six miles of roadway. The pilot was in place from December 2020 through July 2021, and it included five neighborhoods, those being Caprio Park, Midtown and Newton Booth, Oak Park, Tahoe Park, and William Lamb Park. Another example of the street closure is council approved the Envision Broadway in Oak Park plan, which identified 2nd Avenue between 34th and Broadway as an area that residents felt uncomfortable walking and biking. And considering the immediate safety and need and nearby alternative routes for vehicles, staff proposed to close the portion of 2nd Ave to motor vehicles. And City Council passed a resolution to close 2nd Avenue in accordance with the vehicle code. The information that I've provided and in the staff report is based on my past experience. Um, the staff report is quite long, but there is a section that I wanted everyone to identify. Um, in the policy, policy section for vehicle, vehicle code 21101 area, it's on the top of page five of the staff report. There's a recent addition to the vehicle code and it's identified as um, area F, section F. And it's related to slow streets program, um, establishing it. It was added earlier this year and this is a real game changer as far as what staff can do um, it just allows, allows um, you know, the closure of a road or um, restrictions to the roadway. So it's really beneficial. Um, the local agency would have to adopt an ordinance and um, just go through the, the items identified, and that is um, conduct outreach and engagement to the residents and owners, leave sufficient portion of the street for other users such as pedestrians, bikers, and vehicles, and provide notice to the public and abutting residents. Of course, install the appropriate signage and determine that the closure or the traffic restriction is necessary for safety and protection of persons, and then maintain um, a program on a publicly available internet site. So this new legis legislation is just, um, you know, something that there that provides an opportunity for the city. Um, but with that said, the legis the the law was just changed back in January, and at this time the city has no program or funding earmarked for for that particular effort. So. With that, um, that concludes my presentation, um, and I'm open to any questions that you may have. Thank you so much for your presentation. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. There are no speaker slips for this item. Thank you. Uh, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? I see a hand from Commissioner Gonzalez. 
Thank you, David, for that presentation. Much appreciated. Uh, I have a question for you about um, street closures pertaining to PBIDs. Uh, so in, uh, in downtown Sacramento and the R Street corridor, I know I believe that there's some PBIDs that operate reoccurring street closures in certain uh, corridors, and they've even um, been able to coordinate with the city to install uh, steel bollards or steel columns that can come up and down at the ends of the streets. And I, I know they, they work with the police, and obviously they work with, with the traffic department to coordinate all this. Is there a uniform application or procedure for enacting that on streets like there is for a block party permit or a closure of a street altogether? Commissioner Gonzalez, I, I think there's always some variations, but for the most part, implementation of those bollards for those purposes are pretty consistent. And when I say that, um, it was initially established on our street, and then it went to other streets, and a special permit was submitted by um, the PBID, and the design was established. Uh, we, we have a typical design of where the bollards are. They're probably about six feet, so a vehicle won't um, sneak through. Um, probably the biggest thing is the depth of the bollards and making sure it doesn't hit some utilities. But in general, the design is, is pretty consistent in the uh, locations. So I guess what I'm getting at is, um, you know, if I want to close on the street for like a 4th of July block party, which I do, <clears throat> I go down to a, a public counter, I receive an application, I get my neighbors to sign it, I pay a fee, I, I comply with the rules of the street closure and I do the street closure. And if somebody wants to do, I do that in Tahoe Park. If somebody wants to do it in Land Park, the procedure is the same. If a P-bid, Stockton Boulevard P-bid, if the Power N P-bid wanted to do that, is there a procedure uniform that they go through or do they just contact the city and the city kind of figures it out on a case-by-case -case basis? There, there's a uniform procedure. There is a uniform, okay. Um, and, and when I say that, it would vary depending if it's recurring. So the P-bid, they have a recurring event for whatever day. It could be typically you know one or two days during the week. Um, but if it's a one-time event, um, usually it's, they go through the special permit process. And typically what they do is, is um, for that event, they go there once and then, you know, in a, a year later or whenever, they'll use um, that same permit and uh, the, renew it, mm -hmm. pay the fees. But, we, you know, they, they go through that process, whether it's uh, depending on how often it, it occurs. Okay, thank you. I, I just think it would benefit us if we... Uh, communicated that to PBIDs maybe a little bit more and offered it as a potential option for them if they're interested to pay, you know, a good share of the weight of the installation of the bollards and any engineering or any other staff time. Because I think with our street and uh, other corridors in downtown where they do have a consistent street closure that it, it promotes economic activity, it promotes a sense of community, I think it's a great option. And I, I, would, I would love to see something like that over in my neighborhood, uh, District 6, to in, in the Powering Alliance. Uh, Reading Avenue right now is closed. It's been closed for several months while Caltrans has worked under um, Highway 50. And you could see how with the student uh, population over there, there could be a, 
a reoccurring street closure that could activate a corridor that's usually pretty quiet. Uh, same thing with Stockton Boulevard. We have a, a wonderful um, uh, Asian community down there. They have many festivals um, regularly every year with a little bit of effort. They could do one a month, you know, and if they knew that this was an option for them, maybe um, the P-Bids would make that investment and encourage this closure on a regular basis beyond the grid. But thank you for the presentation and thank you for the information. You're welcome. We're always available to uh, meet with any P-Bid and assist them with um, any sort of event that they would like to facilitate. Thank you. Uh, Vice Chair Granville? Or maybe it's there. Okay, so it was Commissioner Banks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, thanks for the presentations. Very helpful. Um, I'm going to piggyback on uh, what Commissioner Gonzalez was asking about. I'm curious about whether or not. So I have gone through the special permit process to close down Del Paso Heights and have Saclavia, which was one of your slides, thank you, um, uh, used. So I'm curious about how transparent is this process? Are the guidelines set someplace on a website that are really clear and easy to understand with links and or direct emails to people that then can work with the city? And in what department does this fall under? I'm a little bit unclear about sort of this overriding structure and process to get something like this going. The, the special permit goes through parks, but with that said, um, the special permits is reviewed by a team of folks. So those teams, uh, that team consists of Public Works, my group. Yeah. could also um, consist of the police department, fire department, um, and um, there could be other uh, construction folks involved just to make sure that the road closure doesn't conflict with um, construction. So, um, so there are a lot of folks involved. But um, you asked, is it is it apparent? I mean, the it is um, on the city's homepage. It is pretty straightforward. There is an application. The application straightforward. I would say that the the hardest thing for um, an individual to probably do is to establish traffic control. Right. Okay, so when I, I say that, um, you know, the, the need for traffic control is um, quite big. And there's a lot of things to consider. I mean, um, you know, folks have to review it. And a lot of times they wait till the very, very end on a Friday and the event is on Saturday and it it drives me crazy. It drives Jennifer crazy because we say, where's the bike connectivity or something like that and it's the last second. So I would say um, the directions, the information straightforward, but a lot of the difficulty is making sure that the applicant is on top of their game and getting the information out early. And a lot of times that um, you know, even though they present the information, there are changes that we we want. Um, and then there are times where the information may be um, unclear. And, and at that point, I would say, you know, hey, police department, I'm uncomfortable with this. Can you guys help um, to facilitate it? So um, the information's there. 
it's just um, being on time to to be proactive to get it submitted to the city and making sure that the information provided is is adequate. Thank you for that. One small follow up question, and that is. Um, we're talking about a special permit for uh, like a one-off experience like Sacklevia and Del Paso. What if you wanted to close a street for, uh, every, for the weekend only? Open during the week, close during the weekend, um, and you want that forever. So you would, <laughs> I mean it. So I mean, I want that for a long period of time. It's, I'm not talking about a one-off. So a special permit seems like that's not the right structure and process and that's sort of what I'm thinking about that we would love to see from an active transportation standpoint where traffic maybe gets a lot slower during the weekend and you can give the street over to pedestrians and cyclists and scooters and all the other kinds of forms of active transportation because a lot of people use it as a throughway and it's a lovely pedestrian space and it doesn't require cars or uh, uh, trucks that drop off goods, et cetera, during the weekend? Well, I mean, that's special, special. <laughs> I, think, I think that's always a possibility. Um, but what I, what I will say to that is it's a possibility, but we would really have to do our homework in making sure that the road is appropriate to close and um, the community knows and everyone's aware of it, especially um, emergency response folks. Sure. You know, so yes, it can be done. It's just um, picking the right road, and you know, every road varies. The volumes vary. Um, the access that's needed varies. So the answer is yes, it can be done. It would just have to be um, planned appropriately. I mean, we've clo we've closed Broadway. Broadway is a pretty busy street. Um, and you just have to have, um, you know, everyone aware of the situation and, uh, you know, plan appropriately. So, yes, it could be done. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Banks. No, it's a good question, and I think the, Mid the Midtown Association is a great example of a PBID that does have this consistent closure um, of, a, of a road uh, on the weekends for their market and other events yes. and stuff like that. As far as other streets, sounds like our street is <laughs> the next the next one that we'd love to see uh, closure at the very least on the weekends, and then you know eventually seven days a week, in my opinion. But um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, Commissioner Harris, thank you so much for the presentation. Um, I'm interested if you have any costs associated with your slow streets pilot program, both for the implementation as well as ongoing estimates um, we hear a lot about how streets and public spaces can be funded if they're not being used as roads um, and that they would need to be covered in some other funding mechanism so I'm curious if the pilot that you mentioned with the slow streets had any funding for implementation and ongoing costs that you could provide Dave would you like me to step in on that one I would love for you to um, step in on, on that. Uh, so, Commissioner Harris, I was the, the my team led the slow and active streets program uh, back in during the pandemic times. Um, so, the slow and active streets was more expensive than we had anticipated. 
Um, the bigger cost associated with it was actually community engagement, where I thought, oh, it's going to be easy. We'll do a meeting or two, and we'll be done. It wound up requiring a lot more meetings, a lot more conversations. Um, so it was a little bit more, a lot more expensive than we had thought in that aspect. And is also with the slow and active streets, the materials kept on getting moved, which also required a lot more resourcing to put the materials back, the signs. The, the, we wound up needing sandbags because they were windy days. It blew the signs around. Um, and for safety purposes, we need to make sure that they stay where they were supposed to be. Um, so it wound up being a little bit more expensive than uh, we had anticipated. Uh, the funding that is available to us in Public Works is not eligible for slow and active streets. We have two main sources of funding. The one is gas tax, which cannot be used for that. That is for repaving and repairing our streets. The other one is the Measure A sales tax, the existing one, which is very prescriptive in what it can and can be used for. And while Measure A sales tax absolutely supports active transportation, um, the, the, it was not for, forethought to include something like this, so it was not an eligible expense. We funded slow and active streets through uh, one-time COVID money that council allocated to us. Um, and so that has been part of the challenge when folks ask for it, is that we just don't have the financial resources to do that in public works. Understood. That's why I was looking for what the estimate was, so that if we were to make a future recommendation to city council, that we could start having some sense of what those costs might be if we wanted to. I, I just don't even have a sense of the scale of the cost. That will be my staff report and a couple items down as part of the ATP rec ATC recommendations to City Council. So I'm going to have those costs there. I believe I estimate, you know, I'm not going to guess. I'll wait till my presentation comes up and <laughs> I'll give you, so you the actual amount. Commissioner Harris, if I could add something, um, you know, with the, the pilot program, I mean, you just asked about the cost, but one of the challenges was, um, you know, it's a 24-7 a um, task to um, get the elements in the correct place. And sometimes they disappeared. Um, it could be a windy day. They get blown away. They get moved. And, um, you know, we would have to get staff out there on the weekends, um, after hours. Um, so that was a real challenge. Um, and and staffing is, is a... Um, is is one thing that we really need to think of and I know other agencies hire um, a contractor to to monitor it 24-7 so that's something um, that that we'll probably mention as well and should be considered thank you uh, Commissioner Gonzalez I just have a brief uh, follow-up question from uh, Commissioner Banks line if we were to close a street on a on a indefinite basis on the weekends, would that require an 18-month interval at City Council, like our alleyway closures of renewal? I think that would be a little bit different. I mean, the 18-month renewal is mainly for nuisance. Um, the, 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 the intent of closing the road would not be similar to the um, to what we do for alleys. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, I had a question. I really appreciated your presentation and enthusiasm around the changes to the California Vehicle Code. So that was really exciting. Um, but you mentioned something about 
a local agency needing to adopt an ordinance. Um, are you familiar with any other cities in California who have already done this, or has there been any um, effort already underway by the city to develop an ordinance? I haven't checked any other agencies. Um, I mean, the legislation is, is new, um, so I, I have not looked into it in detail. Oh, no worries. Yeah, just curious if there'd been any work there. Um, that was my, my main question, I think. Um, but Commissioner Gibson, this was your item, so I want to give you some time before we move on. If, uh, uh, just I think all the other commissioners asked the questions I had, and I just want to uh, thank you for your time. Okay. Okay. Thank that you for having me. Easy. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. We are now going to move on to the next item tonight, which is item number four, Natomas Trail Naming, Jackrabbit Trail Name Extension. Uh, is there a staff presentation? Yes, there's a staff presentation. Good evening, Commissioners. Jeff Jalzma. Transportation Planner with Public Works. Um, I'm here today to um, talk about the Jackrabbit Trail name extension. Um, this item is an, uh, an action item to pass a motion to recommend to council to extend the Jackrabbit Trail name to the southern portion of the shared use pass starting at Airport Road and terminating at Gordon Hardway. Um, I'm joined tonight by Melissa Meng, Executive Director of North Thomas Drive. Um, so just some background on the naming policy. Um, City Council Resolution number 2008-112 established the policy for naming city facilities, including shared use pass. Um, so the process includes naming recommendations from the community or the mayor or the council member, and then um, the appropriate department reviewing that name to make sure that it's consistent with the policies. Um, in this city council resolution. And then um, advise the mayor, district council member, um, as well as the city manager's office about that name change. And then um, the appropriate committee or commission review that name, so the ATC, and then uh, present that the name um, to the mayor and council. So uh, without further ado, I'll pass it over to Melissa. Okay, thanks. Good evening, commissioners. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Melissa Meng. I represent JIBE, who is a nonprofit organization, a transportation management association based in the north of the city. Um, we are commercial, uh, commercial and residential property based, so we have a boundary area. Um, we are north of 80 and roughly west of the Steelhead Creek, uh, minus the county area. Um, just to give you a little background, um, in 2018, we uh, officially named, went through the process that, uh, that just, Jeff just mentioned about naming Jackrabbit Trail, the northern portion of, of this trail that we're talking about this evening. Um, in, since that time, we have installed 18 trailhead signs along the trail to let people know what its name is and hopefully for easy identification. We are working on a, way, a more comprehensive wayfinding signage pro, uh, project that will, uh, our goal is to have people both know how to get to the trail and then from the trail, what destinations you can get to off of the trail. So really have it be um, a way to boost recognition and usability for the users. 
So before you, you'll see in blue that the existing Jackrabbit Trail, which is named, uh, it's roughly north, uh, four miles north-south, running from Elkhorn Boulevard down to Airport Road. We would like to continue this naming convention um, down through the southern portion of the trail that includes, uh, that includes the southern portion and ends at Gateway, um, sorry, not Gateway Oaks, Garden Highway, which leads to downtown and beyond. couple things to know about this trail. Um, it's primarily a class one trail. However, there are a couple gaps that exist now, and you'll notice those in red. I'll talk about them in three as three uh, sections or portions, if you will. The first one is Airport Road. Um, Airport Road, uh, you may remember, came before you a plan earlier this year, uh, um, a plan to install a class one bikeway along this section and beyond. Um, so there are plans in the works um, for that section. In addition, there's San Juan Road, which goes from airport, well, it goes a long section, but in this uh, plan will go from um, airport to where the A is, the connecting portion of the trail. Um, right now that has class two bike lanes along both sides. However, it is a higher, becoming a higher volume and higher uh, volume and speed roadway. Um, and then to the south, uh, there's the section that goes through the uh, Ray and Judy Trethway Oaks Heritage Preserve. And that currently, um, the paved trail ends where the B is at the, uh, at the border of the park. And then there is currently just a dirt, dirt path that connects. So those are the gaps in the trail currently. One, um, so this trail has re regional significance, a um, couple reasons. Um, it serves, it's a north-south connector that serves almost a sixth of the population of the city. It's uh, in close population uh, proximity to a, a large population that had that, and there's frequent access points. Versus, there is another north-south uh, trail, um, the Ueda Parkway, but it's further to the east and it has fewer, much fewer access points. So this one, um, the Jackrabbit, is uh, very central. It also has along it the only pedestrian bicycle separated. Uh, bridge over the 80. And so that's a really key point because um, it connects the northern portion to the southern portion, including in it, uh, this area, north-south Natomas, has, is the home of Natomas Unified School District, and there's a school on the southern portion um, of this bridge, uh, a middle school that people travel to every day. Um, in addition, it, we brings people downtown, and uh, connects to major civic and cultural amenities. It's also of regional uh, significance because it was featured and highlighted in the SACOG's Ready, Set, Go, Ready, Set, Trails uh, regional trail plan. And then additionally, it was suggested as a bikeway superhighway in the city's climate and transportation workshop last year. And so you may be asking yourself, well, why is it important to change the name of this trail? Um, we want people to know it exists. We want people to use it. And we want to be able to uh, boost its uh, visibility 
and to provide a smoother uh, customer or rider experience or walker experience as you, if, as you will. Um, this section of um, this trail has already seen a lot of public investment. Um, there's two uh, crossings that ha that connect trail legs, one on Del Paso Road and then another one off of uh, West El Camino. Um, we have been working with this in partnership with the city for a very long time to connect this trail all the way through. Uh, and, um, and we just want more people to use it, basically, is what it comes down to. So in our quest uh, to extend the trail name, we have reached out to um, uh, community members in the South Natomas area. Um, you know, we're North Natomas, so we're very familiar with our uh, constituents, um, a little bit less so in, the, in South Natomas. So about two months ago, um, I, we've been emailing um, people in South Natomas and other uh, stakeholders who have interest and um, to get their feedback on what they thought. So we, I compiled a little, uh, some excerpts about um, some of the feedback that we received, and I won't read them all, but um, for example, you have our full support. That came from the council member's office, D3. Um, I think that it should be called Jackrabbit Trail throughout the length of the trail for ease of having only one trail name, that would be best. Um, we also had three commissioners commissioners here um, respond uh, very promptly that they would support um, the renaming of the trail or the, the name extension of the trail. Um, however, we did, and I want to highlight that there was um, a community member who was uh, uh, opposed <clears throat> to the trail naming extension, um, and I, I'll read you that comment. I use this trail extensively. I would be opposed to the naming of the trail until it is a complete and unbroken route. Otherwise, we will continue to celebrate incomplete routes. So I'll um, put that out for your consideration. So what I guess what it comes down to is I, we really want to boost the use of this trail to market well, to get people to use it, and to reduce uh, increased mode shift to bicycling and walking. We want more people of all ages using the trail for all types of trips. And so I um, would welcome your questions and, um, and hope that you can support the renaming of the trail. Thank you so much. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. There are no speaker slips for this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Commissioner Hodel, I was hoping you would speak up. <laughs> um, thank you. Very good presentation. Um, I live in North Natomas and do a lot of bike education and uh, work with up-and-coming cyclists as they begin to develop their skills. And amazingly, it's such a goal to get to Old Sacramento. And so, uh, and, and I mean, it's like a huge achievement. It's like, and for that, that's a 16-mile round trip. And just knowing that they can get, you know, one clear path to downtown, they usually can't do it on their own. They need to be accompanied by people first and until they learn the pathway. With signage, it would be absolutely wonderful. 
Um, for those of us in North and South Natomas, truly that bridge and, and to get anywhere beyond where we live, we use Jackrabbit Trail and the other trails leading um, into Sacramento. So with the, with the trail extension name and additional signage, I think it's a, a great project. And just as a counterpoint, um, last summer I did some riding in Bozeman, Montana, and within like three or four miles, they had like five different trail name changes. That is not good for navigating. <laughs> There were also no signs, which made it even more complicated. But it's like, you're going to take this and this and this, and it's like all within a mile. So I like long, continuous trails with good <laughs> signage. Thank you. Great. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, first of all, thank you again for presenting and continue work uh, to extend the name and uh, potential branding. Uh, I live in the neighborhood that the uh, uh, proposed name is going to cover. I didn't even realize there wasn't a name for the bike trail. I'm on at least once a week. <laughs> um, I appreciate the cultural significance. I took my engagement photos right along that trail. So it's certainly culturally significant to myself. Um, so I'm really excited for additional name branding. Great way to encourage uh, more folks to use it. I spent a lot of time in Davis. Uh, it's where I worked for the last, oh gosh, um, since 2010. Oh, uh, but lived in Sacramento, and there's a lot of branding on a lot of their bike trails. It's a lot easier to get around, um, especially if you're just wanting to casually meander around the day. So it's a great way to encourage use. And, uh, and when it comes to the um, person who commented about uh, not celebrating an incomplete route, I actually kind of take that opposite view, is that if we have a brand and something we want to build, it's a lot more obvious what we want to build, other than that part of the road along San Juan and Airport Road. Let me pull up Google Maps. You can say this is a key connection within the Jackrabbit potential highway, super biking, super highway. So a little bit of branding can go a long way. I hope more of our city trails can do the same. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to pile on. I think it's a great idea. Um, I, I agree that having one name for a trail, that especially that comes all the way down into the city, is fabulous. And I love the new um, signage that's on the American River Bike Trail, which I happen to live really near. It's really great. And it gives you an idea of where you're going, how to get from point A to point B, all the things that you just described. So I'm fully thrilled about it and... Can't wait to use it in its full glory. Awesome. Uh, Vice Chair Harris. Oh, again, I think this is an error. Oh, other one. You're Granville. I the Melissa's. I'm Vice or Commissioner Harris. Sorry. No problem. Um, I, thank you so much for the great presentation and congratulations on this um, amazing effort. I have not had the opportunity to bike this path, um, but I did do a internet search to, as we're considering extending the name, um, and the existing trail does have amazing name recognition and reviews, so um, this does seem to be a great way to um, build on that legacy. I am curious um, as far as how much distance is acknowledging the celebration of incomplete work. Um, I'm curious on how much more there is that might be that this um, this person with concerns about it not being complete, I'm curious on how much more is necessary. And um, I do want to acknowledge that we did receive a comment um, neutral uh, suggesting another name. Um, and I do think it would be 
Um, well, I appreciate the suggestions for new names um, from the public. You know, it does appear that we've really invested in the um, recognition and, and adoption of this trail. So um, I did want to acknowledge um, when we do get com comments from the public because we do appreciate those. So if you could just respond to the, um, you know, what's left? What, what, what comes next for you? Thank you. Um, well, Airport Road um, is a, a major project. I have heard, I don't want to quote uh, wrongly, but I believe it's to the, to build that plan would be in the tune of three and a half million or so, maybe more, maybe less, not less. <laughs> Definitely not less. I, I retract that. Um, but it's unfunded. So we have a plan. Some, or we will hopefully have a plan. It still needs to go to council, but um, the plan's in the works. Um, additionally, uh, the section between uh, on San Juan Road, um, it's gone through um, preliminary engineering. It's also gone through environmental. It's um, tied to uh, another project, um, a highway project that has not been funded yet. So that may or may not um, come to fruition. That's longer term. Um, if that goes through, if not, it's it's a plan to be funded as well, unfunded currently. Um, and then for the section between um, in the um, Trethway Oaks Preserve, I, I am not familiar with any uh, current plans as of yet to finish that trail. Commissioner Harris, if I may, um, as part of the bikeway superhighway that we had discussed, a year, year and a half, two years ago, I'm blanking on how long ago it was. We did take a look at the gaps in this network to see what it would take to fund and how we could fund. Um, and we presented that to city council. Um, they they loved the concept and the idea, but we have not identified funding for these three gaps, which is probably the biggest gaps in this network system. Um, but also I just want to highlight, none of them are high priority in the transportation priorities plan uh, of our $5 billion of unfunded needs, but we are aware of them, and there might be other opportunities such as mitigations for other things that are happening outside of the immediate city operations that could address some of those. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, I don't see any additional commissioner hands up right now, um, but this item is up for a vote. Um, so do I have a motion? So moved. Fantastic. Perfect. Okay. So I got a um, motion from Commissioner Gibson and a second from Commissioner Hodel. Uh, clerk, can you please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Banks. Yes, please. <laughs> Commissioner Brazil. It's absent. Commissioner Gibson. Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez. Aye. Commissioner Harris. Aye. Commissioner Hodel. Aye. Commissioner Hot. Aye. Commissioner Rowe. Aye. Commissioner Granville. Aye. Chair Door West. Uh, West Road, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I, got I go by multiple names. Yeah, aye. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you very much. Motion Appreciate passes. It. Thank you. Okay, moving on to the next item, item number five, Highway Safety Improvement Program, Cycle 10, Pedestrian Crossing Improvement Project. And it looks like we have a staff presentation.
Good evening, Chair and Commissioners of the Active Transportation Commission. I'm James Craig, and I'm here to present to you the HSIP-10 Pedestrian Crossing Improvement Project. This project aims to improve pedestrian safety and accessibility in various locations throughout the city of Sacramento. The project will focus on enhancing existing pedestrian crossings by installing rapid flashing rectangular beacons, also known as RRFBs. The HSIP-10 Pedestrian Crossings Improvement Project aims to reduce traffic fatalities and serious injuries by providing comfortable and controlled crossings for all users. The project location selection is based on vehicle speeds, average daily traffic, pedestrian volumes, and visibility. The project is funded by the Highway Safety Improvement Program with state funds and the Pedestrian Safety Program with local funds. The project proposes to install rectangular rapid flashing beacons um, at four locations. These locations are across Folsom Boulevard at Seville Way, Rayleigh Boulevard at Santa Ana Avenue, W Street at 8th Street, and Alhambra Boulevard at X Street. Before advancing, I would briefly like to go over the function and effectiveness of our RFB systems. RRFBs are button-activated electronic flashing devices installed beneath the pedestrian crossing sign and above the diagonal downward arrow plaque on each side of a crosswalk. RRFBs enhance visibility of pedestrians within the crossings to drivers. On the right side of the slide is the standard electrical RRFB detail included in the City of Sacramento construction plan sets. According to the Federal Highway Administration, RRFBs can reduce collisions involving pedestrians by 47% and increase motorist yield rate up to 98%. City staff expect these RRFBs to increase the comfort of the city pedestrian network. In addition to visibility enhancements, this project also proposes to evaluate the curb ramps at these crossings for ADA compliance. Any curb ramps found to be deficient will be brought up to the current ADA standard. The City of Sacramento ADA curb ramp detail is shown on the right side of the screen. Back to the existing conditions of the various project locations. Um, generally, these are marked uncontrolled crossings of at least 45 feet in length over arterial and collector roads with speed limits of at least 30 miles per hour. Some curb ramps in these locations are not compliant with current ADA standards. In addition to solar-powered RRFB systems and curb ramps, the proposed improvements include installing advanced pedestrian warning signs and advanced yield markings at the four locations. The next slides, we will visit each location and any location-specific treatment outside these general proposed treatments will be highlighted in blue as demonstrated. First up is the crossing over Folsom Boulevard at Seville Way. This location is typical for this project with a 45-foot uncontrolled crossing over an arterial roadway with at least one deficient curb ramp. At Folsom Boulevard and Seville Way, the proposed improvements follow the general recommendations mentioned previously, those being RRFB, ADA ramp, advanced pedestrian signs, and yield markings. 
Second is the crossing over Rayleigh Boulevard at Santa Ana Avenue. This location is slightly different as the uncontrolled crossing is 100 feet over a higher speed arterial roadway. These curb ramps seem to be ADA compliant. In addition to the proposed general treatments, the proposed improvements at the Rayleigh Boulevard crossing include a curb refuge area with a third solar powered RRFB in the median. Next is the crossing over W Street at 8th Street. This location is typical for this project with a 45 foot uncontrolled crossing over an arterial roadway and at least one deficient curb ramp. In addition to the general proposed treatments, the proposed improvements at the W Street crossing include a lane narrowing buffer striping to increase side friction and reduce driver speeds. Finally, the crossing over Alhambra Boulevard at X Street is another typical crossing for this project. It is a 45 foot uncontrolled crossing over a collector roadway with at least one deficient curb ramp. At Alhambra Boulevard and X Street, the existing ADA ramps need truncated domes for ADA compliance. Otherwise, the general proposed improvements will be applied at this location. The project schedule is divided into four phases, preliminary engineering, design, right-of-way, and construction and closeout. Last June, we closed the preliminary engineering phase after obtaining environmental clearance. Currently, the project is open for feedback in the design and right-of-way phases. We anticipate to finalize the designs and enter the construction phase by the beginning of next year. Thank you. Thank you for your presentation. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. Yes, we have two speakers for this item. Our first speaker will be Matt. Good evening, Madam Chair, Commissioners. My name is Matt Anderson, a resident of District 4. Um, First, I want to say thanks to staff and anybody who participated in the grant application and bringing the engineering to where we are. It's, it's a big lift, and I know we're, we're short on staff in general in the transportation department. So really appreciate anything that happens in this world to make improvements happen in Sacramento. Um, two small comments on this. Uh, the W and 8th, I see there's striping that's going in. Um, I know there's a lot of speeding that happens there. It would be just trying to get onto that on-ramp. It would be really great if there could be those small, like, vertical delineators that are on 16th Street. I know maintenance will probably have some issues with that because they get run over all the time, but they do work. I, cars slow down, and I don't think that cars are really gonna slow down for paint uh, if they're speeding up for the on-ramp there. So uh, just a thought, it would be nice if there's any ability to change at this point, something to consider. Um, one other quick thing. I was just looking around at some of the other um, highway safety improvement projects online, and it looks like other cities have applied for things like road diets and uh, leading pedestrian interval retimings across their cities. So I'd love for this commission to maybe have discussions about ways they could support staff to get them the resources that they need to be able to apply for you know this type of thing, because I think this could be one resource that could potentially do a lot of good for the $5 billion worth of work that is backlogged here. So we'd love to see that discussion happen more in full. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker will be Kay. Hi, I'm Kay Crum. I'm from District 6. Um, and I really appreciate uh, the work on this and really what it symbolizes. More crosswalks is a better thing. Um, I did want to mention, so there are a couple of these crosswalks around town already. Um, and there, I believe there's one on Folsom Boulevard already. Um, not in that spot. But when I have used it, uh, I've never trusted that cars are actually going to stop because they don't a lot of times. You have to hesitate. They hesitate. You don't know, like, do I need to go, especially if it's dark. Um, you might see the crosswalk. This happens in front of Gunther's, too, all the time. Um, so I think it's a good s signal, but it doesn't always do the thing that people want it to, and it kind of gives you the illusion that you're safe if you're not paying attention and if you haven't you know, walked on the roads in Sacramento before. Um, so I, I think that it's important, but it can also give that false sense of security um, because cars are, people are distracted. They're looking at their phones and stuff like that. Um, and I, I would also like to see more traffic calming measures that kind of force people to slow down in those areas where they need to look. Um, so lane reductions would be great. I know that money is in short supply um, and to make any of those changes is, can be expensive. So I'd rather this than nothing, but I, I think we should do more in these areas too. Thank you. So much. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. First, I just want to thank our two speakers in the audience. You've already doubled the amount of speakers we had last month. So I really appreciate you coming down to give your public testimony. Um, and I want to also just uh, voice my support to the, uh, the W Street uh, installation of lane narrowing buffer striping. I do know that staff uh, does have uh, quite an exercise of maintaining them and that they are hit by large trucks and other vehicles and that requires a replacement. However, I do think that, that that narrowing does create just the tiniest bit of tension which encourages people to slow down. I think it's a great addition uh, to, to, the, uh, to the signaling or, or the, the warning beacon. Um, I will say though, however, uh, we are doing a full signalized uh, a pedestrian crossing on Stockton Boulevard and 12th near Luigi's Pizza. And when we had that presentation a few months ago, we, we did hear, I believe, from staff that um, sometimes these are ignored, as we heard from the audience earlier from Kay. Um, so it, glad we got the grant money, glad we're pursuing this, but I hope we will continue to pursue further uh, full signalized crossings for these. I, I think what we find is that drivers pay a little bit more attention to red, yellow, green and follow that with clarity. We're flashing yellow, they sometimes take as a suggestion. And if it's up to 98%, I will say I must be seeing every single 2% where they don't because I see it quite often. But thank you for the presentation and great work. Commissioner, excuse me, I need some water. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. i just like to echo comments from uh, the two public commenters and Commissioner Gonzalez. Um, any additional physical uh, barriers that can slow vehicles down, even just an additional five miles per hour can really be a lifesaver, especially when we're saying, you know, this is a safe spot to be. There, there is a um, red light um, for pedestrians across the potentially future jackrabbit trail off of El Camino, which I see a lot. And um, since that's a lot more intense of a visual signal, I, you know, I don't see that a lot of vehicles blow through it as opposed to some of the um, 
the RRFBs, if I got the acronym correct. Um, so, a, so a little bit of uh, more physical engineering could really encourage uh, vehicles to slow down. And I think we, if we're giving people a sense of security, well, let's do a little bit more um, beyond that signal and uh, paint. But again, thank you for your work. And again, it's um, glad to have some improvements coming our way. Great, thank you. Um, I had a quick question about um, whether or not the city has been looking at the success of the existing rapid, rectangular rapid flashing beacons that you've installed. Um, kind of going back to uh, Folsom Boulevard, I travel on that road pretty frequently and have used the rapid flashing beacon and notice that people don't um, stop necessarily. So um, yeah, would love to know like kind of how you're observing the existing ones we have in the city. Uh, Chair Dewar Westbrook, if I may take this one, Jennifer Down the Wyatt, Transportation Planning Manager. We have no funding or resources for ongoing evaluation of existing infrastructure that is in the city of Sacramento. So we, we don't do regular um, evaluation. However, I will note that the use of RRFBs are pretty prescribed through the Federal Highway Administration and the guidance that we get from them. And so the structure of the devices that we use and where we use them, so for example, the number of lanes, the posted speed, um, um, uh, the pedestrians crossing, all of that is determined by the framework that's set up by the federal government for which we have applied in our pedestrian crossing guidelines and for which this grant program, the HSIP program, will only pay for. So uh, I think I've explained to you all many times how difficult our funding is and how prescriptive it is. HSIP, or the Highway Safety Improvement Program, uh, one, um, will only pay for certain types of treatments in certain conditions. And it doesn't pay for all treatments. So for example, updating the curb ramps. That is not being paid for through the HSIP program. It's our local dollars most likely. I don't know exactly where James's money's coming from, mm -hmm. but my guess is that it's local dollars that's being used for that because that program won't fund it. And so we do a lot of acrobatics to be able to make a program like this work to be able to deliver those processes. But ultimately, uh, we have to use the federal guidance that comes for us and the types of tools that are out there. And we have no resources for evaluation. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that explanation. And I'm, I, I am a fan of these um, elements being installed. That's, but I, I do think, um, yeah, we need to figure out how the city can actually evaluate whether or not it's working. Um, so something for us all to think about in our, <laughs> maybe it's that's something that we include in a future uh, report or annual report request. Um, I think I'm going to call the right person, Vice Chair Granville. That's right. Okay, cool. We did it. Um, thank you for the presentation. And I just uh, want to echo everything that has been said about uh, engineering and how we need traffic calming. Um, I will say that though I travel on J Street quite a bit, and the J Street um, RRFB, RRFB, is that right? Um, is a game changer. Like, it's really unsafe to cross uh, right by that target um, across J Street. And I feel safe now, and I see a lot of people using that, and people actually do stop there when they don't otherwise at all, and they travel very fast um, on J Street. So I'll just uh, give my own anecdotal, like, I think it's a, a good step forward, and I'm appreciative of this opportunity for the city um, in these other areas that are similar to J Street and have high traffic. So anyway, thanks. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Thanks a lot. Thank you for the presentation. Um, always informative and plus one to what everybody else has said. I think it's great that we're doing these kinds of things. Anything to calm things down, slow down traffic, and allow pedestrians to get across the street. 
So two questions. Um, one is, wouldn't some of this fall under complete streets work so that what, what um, Ms. Donlan Wyatt was just talking about in terms of like different funding pots for different pieces and elements, wouldn't a complete streets type of uh, opportunity for dollars be able to help with some of these other elements? Um, that's one thing, and in that, um, for some of these really large streets, I'll just speak from experience when I've spent time on crutches, that it takes a long time to get across those streets, even with um, an RRFB. I can't say that very quickly. Um, <clears throat> and so having um, an element where you, in the middle of the street, that allows that, you know, kind of get to that safe space mid-street um, mid and then hopefully make it to the other side of the street or after the next round would be really helpful, I think, in a lot of those places. But I'm going to assume that that would um, require different funding streams and different plans and engineering and blah, blah, blah. You're asking for our comments on the design right now, right? Yes. Yeah. So if, if you want to suggest those that kinds for of elements <laughs> be included into the design, especially on uh, some of the wider streets? So um, across the Rayleigh Boulevard and Santa Ana intersection, currently in the plan there's the it's a small refuge area. I'm not, I'll have to take a look to see if it is large enough to wait in. Um, across the other three streets, they're 45 feet. Um, I think the only opportunity there would be at Folsom Boulevard in Seville Way, but um, I'll have to take a closer look and make sure that it would be um, appropriate. Uh, beyond that, the funding that we have allocated for this project um, is currently, it, the, the estimate for construction is taking up a lot of that already. So I'd have to make sure it fits inside our allocated budget or we'd have to pursue additional funding. Sorry, my throat's been killing me. Okay, thank you so much. Um, do we have any additional commissioner comments on this item? Not seeing any. Um, so this was um, up for receiving feedback. So I think you received our feedback. Um, but if there is any other feedback that we can provide you, definitely. Yes, my contact information is in the presentation as well. Sounds Thank good. you. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, our next item tonight is item number six, Active Transportation Commission 2022 Annual Report Discussion. Uh, are we going to approach this the same way we did last time where we did them at once or are we going to separate them? Uh, Chair, do you whisper? I think I'd like to recommend that we do it separate this time <laughs> yes, for a little bit of clarity please. of what we're doing and what's going on. For those of you who were here last month, it got a little confusing. Let's do that then. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank you. Commissioners, Chair, Jennifer Donlin-Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager, it's wonderful to be before you this evening. Tonight, I'm going to go over um, what we've been discussing last month, which was um, development, of, I, I, further refining your recommendations to City Council from your report last year. Uh, I needed clarification so that we can develop cost estimates as requested by City Council. So we had a great discussion last month. I'm bringing this back to you for affirmation that I heard you correctly um, so that I can bring it to council before the end of the calendar year as requested. 
So some background. In February of this year, you as a body approved um, to your, your recommendations to go to PMPE of Council and then ultimately on to full City Council for nine items, nine recommendations for City Council to take on increased active transportation. I'm actually, I'm not gonna read them because we're gonna go through them one by one and I don't want us to be here till nine this evening. Um, but we went over these nine and I needed some clarification on cost estimates and I went back and worked with partners uh, across the city to develop them to make sure we have the appropriate resources allocated. Um, I'm not gonna go over this, I'll keep it brief. But what I wanna ask is confirmation on the assumptions that I heard from you last month so that our cost estimates moving forward are appropriate. So item number one was increased funding for active transportation. And what I heard last month was that the following items, number two through nine, were where you wanted to see the funding. So I have no cost uh, estimate assumed for this item. The second item is expand speed management. And we had a discussion, a lot of discussion around this one. And ultimately, it seemed like we reached consensus to quadruple the budget for our current speed lump program, apply it equitably, have an equitable distribution of that funding, and include new tools, uh, application of new tools uh, for tra our traffic calming other than just having speed lumps. Uh, this uh, additional work will require additional staffing. I think you've heard from me many a time. We are small but mighty teams of the city and we already have more work than is feasible to accomplish. So I also, in, in my cost assumptions, included what we thought would be appropriate for staffing levels to deliver these expectations. So for staffing this, it would be a half-time senior engineer, a half-time associate engineer. And for quadrupling the current speed lump program, it'd be about 1.9 million, almost $2 million for the initial year and then every recurring year thereafter that. The next item was to develop a citywide safe routes to school program, obviously in partnership with the school districts in the city of Sacramento. Um, after a robust discussion, I heard agreement from the commission that you wanted two new staffers, a more senior person and a support person. So. I identified a new senior planner on my team as well as an associate planner on my team and an annual cost of 325,000 and then a recurring cost for that. You asked that we finalize the construction detour policy and we are so close. There's no additional cost needed with that. Uh, we hope to have that out to the public uh, this fall. I don't know if we'll have it in time for the November ATC because my staff report for that is due in a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, but we're getting very close. We hope to bring it out to the public. We will be bringing it out to the public before the end of the calendar year because you do not meet in December. We will bring it before the commission in January. You asked that we develop an ATC dashboard. Um, there was not a lot of discussion around that last month. It will require a little bit of additional staffing to, to monitor and maintain it and, and keep it going. So I have a quarter time of a staff person. Um, and some time for consultants to, to gather the data that was identified in there. And so that would be 275,000 year one cost and then 195,000 year over year. Create a quick build bikeways program. So last month we had another robust discussion around this one and ultimately we landed on, I heard, uh, about $1.1 million a year for funding for that program. Will also require some additional staffing, so I assigned a half senior engineer and a half associate engineer to develop those plans, verify their feasibility, and oversee implementation of the, those uh, that program. So uh, about 1.5 million dollars for the first year, and then year over year for that. 
Then there was uh, recommendation number seven, pilot an electric library and promote e-bike incentives. So at the discussion, again, we had another robust discussion around this. And so ultimately, the existing pilot that Sparky came to talk to you about a couple of months ago, that is at the Colonial Heights Library, the recommendation was to expand that to have at least one in every council district um, and to establish a one-year pilot for $1 million for e-bike vouchers. Uh, and that would require some additional staffing, so I signed it uh, one senior planner who can oversee both programs. Um, so the initial cost would be $2.3 million and then the ongoing cost of staffing at 525000 That does not include an ongoing e-bike voucher program. I think we'd evaluate that and see a success, but I'd love to hear your feedback on that one. That is item number seven. Eight, increased bike parking. This one wasn't as robust of a discussion as we uh, last month, but we did talk about it. And ultimately, I heard that you wanted to increase our funding, which is currently 60000 uh, a year to $150,000 a year. Um, and while Jeff can do many things, uh, the additional work is not something that he can add to his plate. So I added another quarter associate planner to provide that support to be able to do that additional bike parking and uh, to get out in the field, identify a site, uh, and manage our bike parking contract. So that would be uh, a cost of $300,000 a year, um, year over year. Then reestablish slow and active streets, Commissioner Harris. That was your question earlier this evening. So we didn't have a discussion of that in, last month because we had already developed those cost estimates we, and we had done the slow and active streets program before. So I made an assumption of up to five miles for a year. It will require some additional staffing. Um, when we had done it in our pilot, 2021, um, it was a good chunk of my time, and Drew Hart, who also used to be with the city. So he assumed a half-time uh, associate planner managing that program. Uh, and then also the costs include the $850,000 a year would include the costs for the signs, the, the crews to go out to make sure the signs still stay there, the, the education and the um, outreach with our community. So $850,000 a year. So in summary... These are your items that you had listed as your request to council as priority. And then council had asked that we come back with cost estimates. So it's a total of six new staff, two of which would be engineers, a senior engineer and associate engineer, maybe two senior planners, uh, and then two associate planners. The year one cost estimate would be about $7.5 million with an ongoing cost of about $5.5 million. So with that, that is my presentation. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. There are no members of the public that would like to speak. Thank you. Okay, we'll move to commissioner comments, but before that, I think just to help with this conversation, if we can maybe address like one item at a time instead of all your thoughts on every single thing um, at once, because it was hard for me to follow, so I don't know <laughs> how, how staff did it. I was very impressed. Um, so starting, so that is, um, I guess, with item number two. Um, I do just want to make one quick comment, though, before passing it over to Commissioner Harris. Um, I think there was a slight misunderstanding for... Um, Item number one, increase funding to active transportation. Uh, when we wrote this report, that was increasing funding for active transportation projects. So I think with the way it's written now, that's almost ignored. Um, and I know we've decided to 
bundle a bunch of things under that title, um, but the original intent was that we were giving more money for projects, and so I feel like that's not being represented um, in this report, so just wanted to flag that. Uh, thank you, Chair Dewar Westbrook. Then I, I think that I would ask that we discuss that first before okay. we move on to the other items because I, I would like to wrap up an understanding of your, your, your hopes and your dreams so that I can bring this to City Council. Um, and so I'm not even sure how I begin that discussion because it, our, our current funding for active transportation is mostly grant funded. You know, it's, as I mentioned before, it's the Hunger Games. We're all competing for, for that limited amount of dollars. And so I think that I'd like to hear from you on um, maybe it's not a dollar amount, but it's an expectation of delivery so that we can back into how much money we would need for that. Yeah, and I, I could start. My, my thought was that we would look at the transportation priorities plan and tally up the cost that it would be to um, build all of the bicycle and pedestrian projects specifically. Um, so I know that there's other types of projects that are included in there that maybe don't include bicycle or pedestrian improvements. But that's, that seemed like existing information that we already have that we should tap into. Um, so anyways, that was my thought, but I will pass it to uh, Commissioner Harris if you have any thoughts on this. I, I had a question on the process for my clarity. So I had sort of a not falling into the going line by item by line item, is that okay? <laughs> I was just wanted to understand um, how big this to overall, what was your budget? I, and I understand most, mostly grant funded, but for a year roughly, how big are we talking? I just wanna get a scale of how big this ask is because I think it's important for our understanding of how much more we're asking for. And then my other piece would be, under, I just want confirmation that um, we didn't break it down by staff costs versus extra, you know, contractor materials costs. And that was, um, that was both, all of those costs included when you have that one line item. I'll start with that one because that's the easier question. Um, yeah, so the costs that you see are inclusive of staff, consultants, infrastructure costs altogether. Um, your first question, what is our budget? I, I can't answer that. Um, it probably would take some time to develop what our budgets are because Active transportation is spread across multiple groups at the city. They're not just housed on my team. They're not just housed, oh, Bill and James have left on their teams. Um, it's kind of across. I will say that I manage the active transportation CIP, Capital Improvement Program, which is really the pot of money where we hold our, um, uh, our measure A dollars that come in for active transportation. But ultimately, that is mostly all used for grant matches, uh, and funding small programs. Um, so I, it's complex. I will say that that pot of funding is under $2 million. Uh, and then we use that to leverage, but we don't just only use our active transportation money to fund active transportation projects. So we fund active transportation projects like Del, uh, Del Paso Boulevard in Hagenwood neighborhood. That was actually funded through gas tax because we repaved it. And we were repaving it. We said, we're going to put it back differently. And we put it back as a road diet with bikeways. So the, the question is pretty complex. And that's why I'm asking for what is your goal? And can we move backward from that? So just for clarity, that's helpful. So the measure A funding, which is really our secure budget <laughs> that we use to get more budget through grants is $2 million annual. Thereabouts, but there's the active transportation program, there's the active transportation safety program, which is a little bit less. Um, we have our Vision Zero CIP, which also includes 
safety projects, and it was primarily focused on active transportation safety. So that's why I say it's, it's complex, um, and I don't have those exact numbers in front of me right now. Um, I would say that the majority of the work that the city of Sacramento is working on right now is active transportation work in transportation. Um, through the $42 million this year that we have, probably the vast majority of that is for active transportation. So that might be another way for you to evaluate um, your desires and your needs. That's very helpful. Thank you. Commissioner Banks. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess I was unmuted the whole time. Good thing I didn't say anything. Because <laughs> I was thinking a lot of things. Um, one of the things that you said earlier um, when we were talking about um, Measure A was that you were talking about how prescriptive Measure A has been so that sometimes it, it's not able to use some of that $2 million of pot of money to do something that would be really beneficial to the city of Sacramento and, and all of us out there. So in thinking about this idea that um, Ms. Westbrook is talking about, it's really hard to use people's last names, um, uh, I want to put out to the commission that we think about seeing if there's some way that we could carve out a little pot of money that would get maybe additionally added into this that has flexibility in it. Um, for those kinds of projects that are not super prescriptive that will fall under either the nine things that we're talking about, because something may come up that we're like, oh, we'd really love to see that happen. And we can't talk about allocating any kind of dollars for it because it's not in this list of nine things or coming out of SB uh, or, or out of Measure A, et cetera, et cetera. So, I guess I want to offer up to the commission and perhaps to you, and you would be able to tell us how likely the chances of something like that flying with city council would be um, a pot of money, a small pot of money that's somewhat flexible for things that could come down the road to us that we aren't aware of yet that could be really beneficial for us around active transportation. Commissioner Banks, I think there's always that possibility. I can't pretend to guess what city council might support or might not support, but I might recommend that that be an item for Jeff's item, which is next, which is your 2023 report, um, because there, that is open to include new recommendations to council, but for this 2022 report, um, I'm hoping to hear a little more specifics on these nine. Great. Um, okay, so is there any more? ideas or suggestions around, um, you know, being specific about how much, or I guess the first question would be whether or not uh, folks saw uh, the separation of item one from how we've kind of put them all together now. Because um, that would be, I think that's really important that we're, we're, we're clear about whether or not we want to have a specific item for projects, the funding of active transportation projects. No? <laughs> oh, you do? Oh. I'm, I'm seeing big head shakes on it. I think that I'm here. I mean, and thumbs up. So, yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs up? Yeah? Okay, there's some thumbs up. Okay, great. Ups and head so shakes. The only recommendation I had to get that number was to look at the TPP. Uh, okay. So, I, I will just forewarn you that it's going to be billions. <laughs> um, 
But if that is your ask, then that is what we will put in the report to City Council. Um, Vice Chair Granville. Instead of asking for the full amount, could we just agree to a, like a percent increase each year? About like if we got to this number, could it? Oh, maybe. Sorry, unmuted. Uh, could we just request a, a percent increase? Like if it's zero now, uh, could we get this like flexible pool of funds that gets us closer to the total number of projects in the billions uh, instead of asking for the full amount? Because I feel like that they're going to just, council's going to look at that and feel overwhelmed. Anyway, that's my suggestion is like to think about it, percent increase. I'm not sure I'm following. Asking for a part of the full amount of the projects. Like if she's going to add up all of the projects, mm -hmm. not ask for the full amount. Oh, of the project itself. Project costs. Okay, but where would the other part of the cost come from, I guess? I, I'm just saying moving us closer to uh, getting those paid for instead of asking for the full amount of money. Okay. Can I chime in? Sorry. I'm, You've yeah. got a, yeah. Oh. Um, there's, yeah, uh, I had Commissioner Banks up first, and then I'll just go down the line. Sorry, I'll be quick. Um, I, I don't think that getting the whole TPP um, funded would, is going to happen. Um, but I do think we could say these are the top five, the super priority projects of the TPP, and we want to knock those off every year. So we're really making um, progress on the TPP. It's a slightly different idea, I think, than basically what you're saying, Melissa, but we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that idea. Yeah, so top five, top, yeah. Okay, uh, Commissioner Harris. I, I think I was understanding uh, Commissioner Granville's, I'm going to say other Melissa, um, point of view, if we even asked for 1% of the $5 billion, but I do want to be, you know, with the idea that in 100 years we'd actually get it done. Um, the 100-year plan, I do want to be clear, though, that that is still... I think 50 million, if I'm doing my zeros out. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Gibson, for helping with that math. So, and my quick search is, you know, the total City of Sacramento budget is 1.5 billion. So we're, you know, we're talking, the scale is very difficult. I, I don't disagree. I, I, it might be more reasonable to talk about, I love the percentage, and I was like, what would be 100 years be? And I'm like, that is a lot of money. Um, so perhaps it's a looking at the top priority projects and saying top five or some amount of money. Mm -hmm. Hey, seems like we have support for the top five. So top. Joe. Commissioners, we ha only rank high priority, medium priority, and lower priority in the transportation <laughs> priorities plan. We don't have a top five. Um, the high priority projects include projects like Northgate Boulevard, Freeport Boulevard. Um, okay, I'm blanking on all those, but I, I, I think that um, I wouldn't be able to identify the top five because we put them in buckets because they're all so different, uh, and our funding sources are all so different. So we don't rank our projects because if we go after project number eight, 
And folks might get confused, why are you going after number eight? Well, because number eight best aligns with that particular grant program. It just makes it easier for flexibility as different sources of grant opportunities come around to us. So I would ask for a different approach than the top five. So funding the high priority <coughs> projects then? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that number is going to be. Probably also high, but maybe that's that's an approach that we take. Uh, Commissioner Banks. So what if we um, took all the high priority projects, added them all up, uh, divided by the number of projects that there are, so we have an average of what those high priority projects cost times five, and that's what we ask for. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just, uh, you, we're finalizing the TPP costs, so I'm going through those costs in my head right now. I think that's something feasible that we can do, but I just want you to have full sticker shock today rather than another day, is that Northgate, for example, costs $70 million. And that is essentially a complete streets project. It's a walking and biking improving project. So that would just be one of, I think there are 38 high priority projects in the TPP. So just, it's still big dollars, which is why council doesn't choose to fund transportation out of the general fund, and we use the limited resources we have to pull down state and federal dollars to be able to implement our work. So strategically, knowing the funding is limited and that we have these projects only get done with grant funding, even the 100-year plan, 1%, $50 million, if I'm doing my math right there, yeah, we could put it in there, but it's, it would be a, it would be, it would be there to inform them on how reasonable the other asks would be. We're not gonna get likely the $50 million Right? I mean, I would love to be wrong. Maybe there's a huge pot of money and that's great. It would just be price setting, right? It would be telling them, city council, if you did $50 million plus, you know, inflation for 100 years, we might get there, but the list will get longer. Um, so that's a strategy we could take. I just want us to be very clear that how we are, what we expect to have happen here, because I think there's a lot of, there's more that we'd like to see than would ever happen. So I just want us to be clear on what the ask will likely be interpreted as. I don't think it's wrong to say we would love to see 1% for the next 100 years every year. That not likely to be in the budget, what would be the reasonable ask for the city council? Uh, Commissioner Rowe. have an average of how much the city share of these projects typically are um, is it like 10% or is does it really vary across projects? Commissioner Rowe it does vary by grants uh, I will say it's anywhere between 20 and 50% of a project costs depending on what the project is, what the grant is because each grant has its different rules and then what is what we call participating costs because they'll they, there are many things like the curb ramps I was earlier talking about that the grant program will not pay for um, so our, our rule of thumb is anywhere between 20 and 50%. Okay, so is it possible maybe to like get the total cost of all the high priority projects and say we want the city to at least have 
you know, 50% ready for all of these projects so we could be competitive for other grants. And then it's still probably going to be very expensive, but, you know, more realistic. So, so my, my gut is telling me that the high priority projects are maybe $2 billion. And so 50% of that would be a billion dollars, which is the city's general fund every year for all the services. And, and, that, and that's the struggle that we face. And this is why it takes so long to do transportation infrastructure, because it is so expensive. And we have to do low bid. It's not like we choose the highest contractor. It's the most least expensive. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Here's another take on it. What if we, I think you said that you have approximately $2 million available um, to use for grants to get, bring down money. What if we, uh, what if you tallied up uh, Vision Zero, active transport, all the different areas that you have um, active transportation money in, and that's, that is X amount of dollars. Um, why don't we ask the city to match that amount to to strengthen the pot of money that you have to go after grants to pull down the 70 million that we need for Northgate and other large projects. To that proposal, I think that's great. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Um, similar proposal probably. Uh, what if we took the amount of local match last like five years and averaged out what it was annually over the last five years and ask for twice as much in the next year and then an increase every year after that. I feel like if we go after the top projects, which we know is pretty much impossible, the amount is just way too high and unrealistic and we can get ignored. But if we knew statistically last five years, we on average gave this much to local match for the grant, pro uh, grant funded projects that we, that we received and we say we want twice as much as that next year and then we want to increase that every year by a predictable percentage. Maybe that's a more realistic ask and harder to ignore. Commissioner Gibson. Uh, just for expediency's sake, because um, I'm sure we could talk about all the different funding options. Um, I very much like the what uh, Commissioner Gonzalez said a few moments ago, because this actually refreshed me to one of my first meetings here, where when I asked uh, uh, Jennifer Dolan White about um, what would make our grants more competitive is more matching funds and more grant writing. And if we have that flexible pot of money, if it goes from that roughly ballpark $2 million to $4 million, that if that makes our grants more competitive, as somebody who used to have to write a lot of grants, um, making your grant more competitive is always looking nice when you're on both sides of it, both drafting and reviewing it. So um, just, again, for expediency's sake, because I don't think any of us want to be here till 9 o'clock looking at a document that was um, from last calendar year. <laughs> um, I would like to see if the rest of the commission is on board with um, increasing that flexible pot of funds um, by twice and then having some annual amount of increase, let's just say 10%, you know, beat inflation, 10% increase. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. I'm seeing a lot of head nods, thumbs up. Did you, um, did you have? No, this is not an action questions? item, but I'm feeling that we have consensus. Okay. I don't see any heads shaking against or any concerns. So that's, if great, we can move on to item two. Do it. Great. Expand speed management program. You had told us to quadruple the budget, apply it equitably, and uh, expand the tools. So that is about $2 million a year. Any head nods? Okay, no hands? Next item is mm, Safe Rest of School Program in collaboration with the school districts. 
two staff, two planners, um, about $325,000 a year. Good, next item. Great, detour policy, we will get it to you soon. ATC dashboard, um, quarter time planner, consultant staff, helping us out, 275,000, 195,000. Feeling good? Great, I love this. Create a quick build bikeways program to engineers, partial engineers, and the cost to build it. Good, okay, great, I see no concerns. Bike library and e-bike incentives, 2.4-ish million, and then ongoing half a million a year. Any thoughts, concerns? Okay, great. Bike parking, $300,000 a year. Great. Uh, Reestablish slow and active streets, $850,000 a year, plus a half-time person. Great. So that is, and I will add in, I will, um, just to confirm, I'm going to look, work with our, our fi finance teams, look at the grant average grant match over the last five years that we've contributed, double that, and make that their recommendation for year one, and then have a 10% escalation rate for five years. So I'll make sure I get that. Great. Wonderful. We did it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. Cool. Good job, team. All right. Uh, now we're going to move on to the next item, item number seven, Active Transportation Commission 2023 Annual Report. Looks like we'll hear from Jeff. Take it away. Good evening. Jeff Gelsman, Transportation Planner. Um, so I'm here to, to uh, bring back the 2023 Annual Report. Um, so the re to recap, this has been discussion item since August. Um, and I have incorporated the feedback over the last couple months. So to begin, um, I received comments from Commissioner Gibson, um, or a preamble for the 2024 re recommendations, which has been incorporated into the draft report. Um, I know this is really wordy, but just to show that it has been added, um, I showed it here. And then, um, for the uh, discussion in terms of the recommendations, um, I included the cost estimates um, that Jennifer went over earlier. Um, and then uh, I moved the expand speed management programs from A to B and then moved the develop a, I'm sorry, other way around. Um, I moved expand speed management programs to position A and I, moved, uh, developed the citywide safe routes to school program to position B. Um, and then uh, decoupled the pilot, in, um, the e-bike pilot program um, from each other. So um, the pilot e-bike electric bike library is a standalone item as well as the promote e-bike incentives um, with those associated cost estimates. Um, so that incorporated the discussion that we had over the last, since August. Um, and just wanted to open it up to commissioners. For additional feedback and comments on these changes, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for that presentation. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. Yes, there's one speaker slip for this item. Alice, please come forward. 
Hello, my name is Alice Mercer, and I'm a member of the City of Sacramento Disability Advisory Commission. I'm here tonight representing my own views. Uh, the Active Transportation Commission has done a wonderful job of advancing transportation accessibility for non-vehicles. You've done a good job of looking at the issues that affect folks in the community that I'm tasked with representing on my commission. Frankly, I'm jealous of your annual report, but I'm happy to see you knock it out of the park, and we'll use it as a bar to measure our efforts in a friendly way. Um, we end up hearing many of the same proposals for road improvements um, because of ADA components at our meeting. One of the things that's coming up is the erasure of how our communities move in the community um, when the staff presents these reports. Often improvements are shorthanded as improving pedestrian bicycle access. This discussion came up at our last meeting, and I pointed out because of my knowledge from Terry Preston, my husband, uh, which is how I got involved over in the Disability Advisory Commission uh, because of his prior work over on safe routes to school and active transportation, that actually um, the term active transportation is meant to shorthand this variety of access, including the disabled community and those using assistive devices to move about. The problem is many of us here may know that, but I don't think the public does. Certainly many of my commissioners didn't, were not aware of that, that that was supposed to be the encompassing terminology for that. Um, and so um, I just have a very small ask and something to think about is we need to think about doing a better job of defining active transportation, not on every page because it would end up being a laundry list. Uh, but maybe an effort, especially in staff reports, over the next year or two to say this project is meant to meet the city's active transportation goals, which include a variety of non-vehicle movement, including pedestrians, bikes, wheelchairs, walkers, and other assistive movement devices. Um, and um, I know it sounds like a small thing, but it's a big deal in our community because uh, and some people don't even realize because I had somebody come up to me and say, well, ATC isn't doing ADA, and it's like... Well, they're not doing it strictly in terms of, like, the, the staff is worrying about does this meet ADA requirements, but you are concerned about accessibility as a broader issue, and I think um, it will help forefront what you're doing as well if we do that. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so for your much. comments. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Double thank you. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you, Commissioner Mercer, for coming this evening and reaching out. Um, it's good to see you, and uh, thank you for bringing Terry Preston, who I'm so glad to see here today. Terry um, actually was uh, one of the first individuals that inspired me to get interested in active transportation way back in 2012 when I met him, and he was working at Walk Sacramento and responding to the uh, tragic death of Michelle Manrigi on uh, Fruit Ridge Boulevard, uh, Fruit Ridge Road, um, sorry, um, near uh, West Hiram Campus, where we got a signalized crossing, full signalized, not flashing beacons, but red, yellow, green, which works really well. So it's good to see you both here. I appreciate your passion and your continued advocacy in this space. And um, as you know, I, I took some of those comments um, back to staff. And I, I believe you know, on the construction side, and staff may correct me if I'm incorrect, we do always make sure that uh, ADA is, is, is applied to all the projects that we work on. But it is a great reminder and a, a great refresher for us to incorporate all those who roll and, and travel in ways other than cars no matter their ability. Thank you both for coming today. Thank you. Okay, are there any other commissioners? No, kind of, um, 
think it would, again, be helpful if we just went item by item, but um, if folks feel differently, I'm open to changing that. Um, I will just quickly, I think the first change will be for um, number one, we'll just wanna make sure that it reflects the projects, the project requests that we're making in the 22 uh, report. Commissioner Harris. Um, before we move on, just to make sure, so if we were gonna make the increased funding to extra transportation a standalone item, the other items would no longer be nested underneath that necessarily. So they would all be their own items. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because yeah. right now it's appearing that the increased active funding active for active yeah. transition would be all of those different items listed. So just for clarification. Um, I know that the rest of the commissioners wanted them nested, so <laughs> we, we might have to change the... Um, but I'll, yeah, just projects, just add projects. Yep. And then, yeah, so add right. projects as the first one. Okay, so just have a projects. Like yes. That. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Appreciate the assistance. Uh, Commissioner Harris. Um, I just want to make sure that the, the prices are consistent, or the estimates between the 22 and 23 reports. Um, not doing a side-by-side, -side, but... The e-bike incentive, I think, had a overhead charge. So even though it was a million dollars, I just want to make sure that we're, we're making sure those numbers are tracking no, between yeah. those two reports. Um, these are just the co the year one estimates. Um, I did not include the year-over-year -year costs. But um, from the conversation that we had last month, I believe, um, the promote e-bike incentives was valued at a million, um, and then the pilot was, I, I derived that cost from subtracting a million from the total that we had for the cost estimate for both. So I, I guess the larger question here is making sure, both comment, making sure they're consistent, and then the second piece is we're making the same request twice. We need to make a decision about whether our re-ask in the 23 report is again asking for year one funding since we know it wouldn't be second year funding. Does that make sense? Because it hasn't gotten funded yet. It would be funded in the future. So all the costs that are in the 23 report should be the same relatively as what is whatever in the 22 report. Are we all okay with that as an assumption or does that need clarity? Because we haven't gotten the money yet. We're just asking for it again. Okay. If I, if I may, I just want to, one thing I, I want to make sure is clear to commissioners is that we're going to ask you to vote on this next month. And so ideally we're going to reach consensus on these items tonight so that we can make it an action item in November because November is your last meeting of the calendar year. Yes. Thanks, Jennifer. Yeah, I, I also wanted to reiterate that if we were able to... Um, pass a motion in November to finalize this report, then we could get it in front of council potentially before budget. Good. Okay, so we've addressed the project. Um, the next, I, I mean, I think if we were in agreement for yeah. all the items, then we should be. Uh, the only other item that was brought up was Commissioner Banks with your flexible pot, but I guess that would be incorporated into the item A. 
increase funding for active transportation projects? Oh, the go ahead, Commissioner Banks. Yeah, that kind of got conflated. Uh, there is a little part of me that wants to separate that out for future things that come down the road that are unknowns, unless it's way to write that into the verbiage that you know helps define what that pot is for, active transportation projects, with a caveat of, I don't know, a percentage that's maybe set aside for uh, things we don't know yet that might come down the road. Commissioner Banks, if I may, I'm just thinking towards what I have. I'm going to write up for the new item of increased active transportation funding, the Isaacs, uh, Commissioner Gonzalez's recommendation. Um, and perhaps I write that up so that it's applicable to the 2022 report as well as the 2023 report in that the funding in this pot of money, it ha provides the flexibility for match or for small pots of things that we have not yet anticipated that mm -hmm. might come before us. Totally, totally takes care of it for me. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Here to please. Uh, Commissioner Harris. I, knowing, just, sorry, my, my need for the numbers to make sense. Um, looking at the 22 report, I just, the speed management program has 1,976,000. ,90, I think there's some mismatching, so if we could just, if we're, unless I'm misunderstanding. So I'm so, I see some discrepancies between the two reports, so I just want to make sure that they are aligned. Absolutely. Nope, nothing? Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did kind of, oh, they're flipped. Oh, just one sec. <laughs> um, I did notice kind of one thing, and, and I can maybe provide um, once the I'll edit up the document a little bit more. But because the 2023 report pulls so much from the 2022, the narrative I think doesn't um, flow the same way because it's kind of different. So um, if we have like narrative suggestions for how to make. Um, the text flow a little bit better. Can we just provide those in writing to you after, or do I have to say exactly? Uh, how yeah, I, want I believe the you text? can. You can message me like email, okay. um, and then I can incorporate those edits, and then okay, um, we can come back to the ATC in November. May, if I may, sorry to disagree with you, act? Jeff. Okay. I, I, I just because we want this approved in November, yeah. and if a commissioner is making a change in the narrative recommendation that not all commissioners are going to be comfortable with. We probably should air those now so that we can meet our deadline for a swift approval in November. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Yeah. Um, Commissioner Harris is correct. The dollars for expand, expanding the speed management program should be what you have under B for the uh, Safe Routes to Schools program. And what's under Safe Routes to School, that 1.9, uh, et cetera, should be expanding the speed management program. Um, they're just flipped. That's it. Yeah. I apologize for that oversight. Sorry, I'm trying to. <laughs> I, I, 
I should have uh, written some notes because I, I noticed things when I was reviewing it earlier, but I did not write that down. So apologies. Um, it, I don't think it was anything all that serious. It was just. Was it mainly like the transitions between the different just, sections or? Yeah, well, there was just points where I was like, oh, I feel like we should expand. Like I wanted to provide a little bit more detail. So that was a, um, yeah, I feel like in the, in the 2023 report, we could expand on some of the actions a little bit more. Like in particular, the for the speed management, you know, we, we talk about um, the fact that the city is it has um, a high rate of fatal and serious injuries and that we want to support lowering speeds. But then we don't like really give more detail on those positions where in other summaries we do. We, so I just I thought that we should be consistent throughout the report in providing that detail. I know we talk about the staff that we want to see, but we don't have just that text included within. Would the twenty twenty the language in the twenty twenty two report be sufficient? If I was just did you use that for twenty twenty three? I don't. There might have been some changes. Oh okay. I just don't think we were as specific in 2022 as uh, it would be helpful now. And, and we, we, you, you do talk about the positions you want. I just want to make sure that each item for, like actually lists that out. So I guess that's my ask. Okay. Yeah. Um, when you look from action to action, some of them have a narrative and then talk about the need for a position, and some of them don't. So I just think what were the oh, staff. Yeah, staff, yeah. So I just kind of noticed a, a little bit of discrepancy between the items and the, because we, we weren't thinking about that. We, were, we weren't thinking about it the same way in 2022 as we are now. So include like a narrative of the cost estimate with the narrative of the actual item. Yes, correct. That's, yeah, just my ask. And yeah, just so there's consistency between um, each of the items. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, Commissioner Harris. In recognition of the public comments we received, I request that we add um, additional ways of transportation for the um, for our entire community, um, whether they be in um, wheelchairs, walkers, or otherwise mobile, um, scootering, et cetera, um, that we add that um, in early, in the, perhaps the first two paragraphs where it makes sense. Uh, we talk about biking and walking, um, and we want to be cognizant that there are other forms of active transportation. We could be more inclusive. Um, and if there is, um, if it is possible and there is um, uh, interest from the rest of the commission, I think it would be helpful to be clear um, the difference in the estimated costs between staff costs versus other costs. So if we could provide a sum, I, I, I don't think anyone's going to get more out of it than that level of breakdown, but I think it would be helpful to understand if this is what's driving those costs. Um, my reasoning is that particularly for um, some of the higher cost items, it would be helpful to understand what portion of them is staff time, because it may not be immediately apparent that there are contractors and actual infrastructure requirements to things like speed bumps that are just ridiculously expensive. Um, so I, I think it would just be helpful to, for them to understand like this is this is real work getting done, right? This is this is actual infrastructure getting built. Not not that staff time isn't important, but that staff time <laughs> sometimes is the smallest portion 
um, for the get, and sometimes it's the portion because it's just supporting the effort. I think that would be helpful if that's interesting to other commissioners. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Gibson. Um, yes, yeah, I was the one that drafted the preamble. I'll just um, be happy to include uh, additional language. I see there's probably an easy edit on the second sentence uh, by those by um, those on foot or bike. And I, I don't want to misuse the wrong words, but something to incorporate people who um, are in wheelchairs or motility devices having to use uh, crutches, canes, walkers. I'm sure with the best language as possible, somebody else sure. But at the very least there, and um, I'm not sure if a, and then there's also another line um, also in the second paragraph um, on second paragraph, line four, excellent ways to reduce uh, vehicle speeds, improve biking and walking, and then maybe somewhere using that same inclusive language for um, those who cannot bike or walk. I think that's at least two spots to add. Great. I think that's a, a fantastic addition. Uh, Commissioner Banks. I don't want to wordsmith, but I think the word strodes is jargon, and we should uh, strike it and use better language there. Line three, second paragraph, throughout Sacramento, especially in collision strodes. I'm okay with it being struck. Uh, just replace with roads. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could probably have a longer conversation. I do think that should be kind of a, a qualitative definition for a lot of um, the roads in our communities. Um, because that's where you have a lot of high collisions due to the very 1950s design, for lack of a better term. Um, I don't want to go into that language right now, just for respect time. Thank you. For each street, or uh, what's it called? Strong towns. You can learn a lot about Strouds. Um, okay. Is there any additional comments um, on the 2023 report? Not seeing any. Um, Can we get a thumbs up on the breaking up of stops? Is there anyone who's concerned about breaking up stops? I don't think so. Nope. I, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, would something similar to what Jennifer created for the 2022 report in terms of like a half time and like kind of breaking it out of a senior and an associate, would that be sufficient? Yeah, I think consistency between the two. I think that's the minimal. I think it'd be helpful to have an estimate of the cost just because it's a percentage thing. Um, I understand that it's all estimates, um, so I don't want to put too fine a point on it, So, and there's some respect to the cost of staff, but um, I, I just, especially for the big ticket numbers, I'm concerned that there's sh sticker shock. I have sticker shock with what's currently item B, <laughs> and I'd like to you know, understand how much is or sorry, that's actually A, right? Because they're flipped. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it's hard to understand how, you know, is it just a ton of time to estimate for, you know, do the studies and the research are all necessary for putting those um, speed bumps in? Or is it the actual putting the speed bump in? And th those are the things that it would be nice to um, tease out a little bit more, but... Commissioner Harris, for things like the speed lump program, I'm unable to break out like our cruise time from the actual materials cost for speed lumps because of the way that our structure is set up. 
the folks that do that work don't work in the same accounting system that we work in. Um, so we are not able to pull that out separately. I can pull out the separate costs for the engineers who are gonna be doing that type of work in design and layout and engagement, um, but for the actual implementation of the speed lumps, the crews and the materials, I can't break out separately. I hadn't thought about that, sorry. Um, yeah, of course. Um, then I think if it's okay with the commission, just being consistent with the, the personnel that are required to do the work unless anyone has a, another brilliant suggestion. Okay. I had two minor comments left. Um, on the, uh, I think it was in the beginning on page uh, four, when you list the, uh, the uh, staff that assists us, if we could include the clerks that participated in our meeting. I think we um, list Mandy Cuppy, but she doesn't always come, so I thought it would be good to maybe highlight the staff that does participate in our commission meetings, um, if that's appropriate. Um, and then the um, Just to oh. comment on that, I did at one point put the staff that was here was Jacob, but I was instructed to put Mindy. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Okay, we'll keep in that. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to give credit where it was due, but no worries. Um, then the other just kind of minor thing I thought would be great um, to include a little bit more photos um, in the report. Um, and I thought maybe if we could include um, an image from, an active transportation image from each district would be a nice addition um, to the photos that you already have in here. And then uh, I think we need to take a new cover photo. So um, <laughs> we can plan for that for November or today. Well, um, do you have we can't. Because you're approving it in November. Oh, we're approving it. I guess we're taking a photo tonight <laughs> <laughs> um, without Commissioner Brazel. Darn. Okay. Um, so, yeah. If, yeah, because we don't have everyone in. I think we're miss we'll always be missing one person. <laughs> um, um, for the photos, did you have any specific... Uh, like locations for them or just uh, oh, for replacing the, the photos that are existing or in Oh, yeah, of? in the report. Um, so I thought maybe just, let's see, the last page after resources okay. for uh, resources to support the ATC, kind of just to close out the report. Some images I thought would be good. And then um, on the second page... Um, yeah, that's a good photo. I've seen that one a lot, though, on the city, so I thought maybe if we <laughs> have a different... Is, is that the one in the table of contents? Yeah. <laughs> that is a very... It is a good photo, though, so okay. I understand why you I can try it. to find a, a fresh photo. A fresh photo would be great. No. <laughs> okay. Um, that's... Oh, uh, Commissioner Harris. Yeah, going through the report, um, during our last meeting, we did discuss um, actual having some accomplishments, such as the pilot program that has been implemented for e the e-bikes. Um, and right now, it says accomplishments, but it's a, just a running list of the meetings we have, which is interesting, but not accomplishments. Um, did we accomplish that program? <laughs> well, I think it was about the city in general, so to provide some context. Um, so I don't know if there's, besides, e, you know, it would be nice to provide a sense of how many bike lanes were built or um, <laughs> bulliards installed um, or conversions for um, ADA compliant ramps that were installed. I, I don't really care 
I, I think it's helpful to provide context of the good work that is happening in the city because it provides context of the next steps that need to happen. Um, because we, there is a lot going on in this city and we do represent that as well. Commissioner Harris, if I may, can we do a summary? We don't have a great way of inventory. We're working on it. We're working with a great GIS data set mm-hmm. uh, to track our projects and our efforts. Um, but I think this we can't make an exhaustive list, but we can highlight have highlights of things that were accomplished. This is the e-bike lending library, the South Sacramento Parkway Trail Rest Project, all yeah. those things that have been completed. Thank you. That's very much what I had in mind. Just let's, we don't get a, options to, to really, we, we Active transportation lives in many places. It has <laughs> no, no parent, right? Um, so let's make sure we're tooting our horn. <laughs> Bike horn, I guess, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and if you could include links whenever possible, that would be, gr- no, okay. Um, we're <laughs> about to transition to a new website, so we wouldn't want to provide links Got because they'll be broken in, in December. Okay, no But worries. future years, something definitely to consider when we yeah. move to cityofsacramento.gov. Sounds good. Yeah, I think it is super helpful if someone stumbles across our report and is curious where to get more information. If they had a link, that would assist them. Um, okay, I think we're good with this um, and look forward to it coming back in November for a vote. Um, but yeah, thank, thank you for you. your presentation. Okay, Uh, the last item is public comments, matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. Yes, we have two speaker slips for this item. The first speaker will be Kay. Hi, my name is Kay Crum, and I'm a member of Strong Sacktown, and my background is in procurement and fiscal and I've been working on a project for our group to investigate a few major strong towns campaigns, which are transparent local accounting, ending parking mandates and subsidies, and ending highway expansion. So this project I was working on was to review the city's spending for roads versus active transportation infrastructure, and I started in April of this year. It's taken so long because, uh, partly because PRAs take several months to fulfill, and partly because disaggregating the information and analyzing the data has taken a significant amount of time, even though I've been doing this kind of stuff for five years. So if it happens to me, imagine what it's like for somebody who has no fiscal background. Um, But I wanted to share my findings with the commission. So bear in mind that these costs are for city maintenance, work orders, and projects, so that's repavement and designs, and not new development. And the total cost for roads um, includes any revenue that's generated from on and off street parking as well. So these numbers are the true cost of roads versus active transportation based on the records that were provided to me. So in 2020, the city spent $53.3 million on roads and $3.9 million on type two bike lanes, which are still part of the road. Um, in 2021, the city spent $60.6 million on roads and $1.7 million on Type 2 bike lanes. And in 2022, the city spent $35.8 million on roads and $2.2 million on Type 2 bike lanes. So these numbers are fiscally irresponsible and indefensible and focused on cars. Um, and if the commissioners would like me to share my findings with you, I'm more than happy to. But that's it. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Jerry. 
Jerry, please come on. Hi, good evening. My name is Jerry Champa. I'm a resident since 1990. And, um, Excuse me, sorry. Could you just end the speaker? Oh. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> sorry. Jerry Champa, I'm a resident since 1990. I am a traffic safety advocate, and I am also an advocate for responsible and effective spend expenditures of public funding. Um, and as such, I just wanted to say that if, and I support what I hear as a budget change proposal to increase funding for active transportation, which has an impact on traffic safety. Um, but if I were talking to my city council members about this proposal, what I would emphasize is a couple different things. Um, first, I would say that the budget change proposal should be directly tied to some type of performance metric. For example, a reduction in severe crashes. So what do you get from this increase in funding? I, this is probably already covered in your report and proposal, I don't know. But I would also emphasize a little bit more technically um, that the strategies, for instance, for projects, that they would really focus on things that reduce vehicle speeds, 24-7, 365. A lot of strategies don't do that, some do. And those are the best because those will reduce crashes involving PEDS, cyclists, and also vehicle versus vehicle crashes. So we have a lot of crashes in the city, a lot of fatalities, a lot of injuries, and they happen um, to vehicle occupants as well. So basically reaching out and broadening um, what you're gonna get for the, for the investment. Finally, I just wanna say that ideally the best budget increase mechanism would be somehow to tie this to the increase in fatal and severe injury crashes. A percent increase over five years or something that can be translated into an increase in the budget to address the problem. Thank you. Great, uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, clerk, or oh, we already got the numbers, I'm all confused. Um, I thought there was usually an item for commissioners. Okay, yeah, so our next thing is um, uh, commissioner comments and items not on the agenda. Commissioner Gibson. Uh, unfortunately, it was a really rough week for people who are residents near Fruit Ridge Boulevard. There was a hit and run fatality um, on Fruit Ridge Road on the in 65th Street Expressway. If you recall, just last month, we saw a project proposal um, to have a significant traffic calming there. Um, although I'm just reading what's reported in local media, it sounds like this took place at the intersection. And then just today, there was a Another hit and run um, on Fruit Ridge Boulevard, uh, Fruit Ridge and 24th. Um, however, uh, the person was hospitalized but is in stable condition. So um, just need to acknowledge that these projects are literally life and death when we work on them. Commissioner Gonzalez. Echoing um, Commissioner Gibson's comments, there was also um, another incident on uh, Mack Road um, near Center Parkway where we had a uh, pedestrian hit and killed as well, um, and that instance also a female. Um, the reporting stated that the uh, driver in that case actually did stay on scene, which is heartening because we know that almost 90% of those who are hit and killed in hit and runs uh, are never brought to justice. Um, but once again, emphasizing um, the need for uh, more infrastructure and uh, real changes to the built environment, like uh, Jerry mentioned, uh, that reduce vehicle speeds so that in these incidents, when they do occur, 
hopefully we have a greater likelihood of the um, pedestrian or cyclist or other person not in the motor vehicle um, actually surviving uh, their injuries. And quickly, I just want to say again uh, how much I appreciate that we had public comment this evening. We did not have any public comment um, last month. Um, and Alice and I actually, uh, Commissioner Mercer, who spoke earlier about from the Disability Commission, and I and Commissioner, um, forgive me, Brandy, the chair of, of the uh, Disability Commission, and I have had some discussions. And while we understand that the, uh, the emergency order has been lifted and city council and commissioners, uh, commissions are no longer taking um, uh, public comment over Zoom, I think it's a bit of a disservice uh, to the idea of participation. It's unfortunate. Um, I can understand why it's occurring at City Council. There's been some really nefarious actors who have taken advantage of the anonymity of Zoom and, and said some very disgusting things. I get that. But at the commission level, I feel like it's really detrimental to our uh, public participation. And we saw that last month with zero public participation. Glad we had some tonight. Hoping all of you will bring two friends next month <laughs> and that we can kind of do a, you know, a, a, a exponential growth here. So one day this chamber is full of people we can all articulate clearly and concisely why they want active transportation infrastructure improvements in every single district throughout the city. But we're going to need more people like you coming out here in order to get that done. So thank you all for coming out. Thank you, Commissioner Gonzalez. I think uh, that's a really valid point. And um, we, you know, we could, as a commission, write a letter to council requesting um, that they bring that the ability for folks to participate via Zoom in our commission meetings. Um, I know we've done that for other issues in the past, so just want to propose that. Uh, I think it's a great idea, Chair. Um, it might actually be something, I don't know how we, if it's a mechanism through the city, the clerk, or that we do on our own, where we actually speak to other commissions as well and see if that's something that several commissions might want to adopt together in, in solidarity. Yeah, I think that would be great. Um, okay, not seeing any additional hands. Uh, we're done before nine, so that's exciting. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for uh, attending tonight's meeting. Uh, this uh, agenda is now concluded. Thank you.